today on uh, Astro Zero Twitter Spaces, we have a very special guest who is an NFT developer, a gaming developer. He has a play-to-earn platform, or I guess you would say ecosystem, on the Polygon network, and it's a good friend of ours, Matic Mike. So, Mike, welcome to our spaces. I'm, I'm glad you're able to take some time out of your day to talk to the community and let us learn a little bit more about your project. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm uh, excited to be here. So, um, can you tell me exactly who the character Mike is uh, that we've all been hearing about? And uh, is he a, is is he a gym rat or is he a stripper? Uh, I think the two go hand in hand, right? So, uh, Magic Mike is a play on Magic Mike, um, and it's a pixelated male stripper on the Polygon chain. Um, he can also bridge over to Ethereum, though. So, in case anybody wanted to actually send him over to Ethereum to strip there, he can do that. Um, and yeah, uh, it kind of just was an idea. I was trying to, I was originally coming up with like a Nintendo kind of game, but, um, as I was like developing it, I was like, I, I need this to be on Polygon just because I'm going to have so much utility for it. So I was like trying to think of like a good name. And then I was like, to my girlfriend, I was like, what do you think about like Matic Mike? And she was like all for it. So we kind of just let it snowball from there and uh, introduced our ERC-20 token, which is Matic Mike Juice or HGH um, as kind of like a steroid play because he gets injected with that HGH to uh, do some functionality in the game. It's pretty funny when I was, when I was reading about it, I was, I was laughing as I was going through, but the whole idea is just funny and it's, it's just really, I don't know, I put a smile on my face when I was researching uh, everything kind of in detail. So, um, have have you done game development prior to this, or is this kind of your first stab at game development? I mean, so like I like, so I graduated with computer science um, like twelve years ago, or probably even longer now. <laughs> so, um, it, like in like like when as I was like taking some courses, then I was uh, I think we like programmed like Scrabble. I mean, we programmed a bunch of different games like Scrabble and and a bunch of like board games. Um, so that's like kind of like the only game development experience I really have, but, um, I've been like a full stack dev for like the past 12 years, just building like all kinds of stuff. And I have my own freelance company, um, where I'm building like random applications for people all the time. So I kind of dabble in things here and there, but nothing like this. This is my first like web three project. So is the team just you or do you have other people helping you out with it? Yeah, so I have, like, um, one of my community members is, like, stepping up and doing a lot of, like, um, tokenomic stuff for me now. Because um, originally when I went into it, I didn't really have any, I didn't think about it too much. Um, and then I have, but as far as, like, development of, like, the graphics the and all the code, um, that's just all me. And then I have some help with, like, marketing and stuff now. So let's start talking about the NFTs themselves in the project. Now, when you when you first started the releasing of it, how many NFTs were total in the collection? I know you, I know you've went through burning a lot of them, but what was the total amount that you started with? Yeah, so we started with ten thousand, and the mint process was um, it was like a whitelist mint. So we had like two thousand people on the whitelist, um, and that was like one per person. Um, and then like we opened it up. And it was 2,500 were free. So you can mint up to 10 per wallet. And then it was the tokenized mint, which was basically if you staked a mic in, in the gym, you earn one HGH per day. So that was like one HGH for one mic. And then as it got to like 4,000, I think total supply, it went up by one and just continued to do so. But I also integrated the burn reroll system that was activated right at 2,500. So that was with people just slamming the burn reroll button and it would send your one mic to the burn address and uh, issue you a new mic. So there's 2,637 mics in total now. Um, and then we produced a new collection as well recently. So when you when you would do the reroll burn, um, would you have to pay for a, a new mint on the new NFT or would it just eliminate that one, cause some scarcity, and then they would be able to reroll right into a brand new one for the same uh, same initial price? Yeah, so they'd just be able to burn 
into a new one for free. So like they minted for free and they burned for free. So it really it had no, like people were just burning like crazy. That's why we went, we burned over 7,000 of them. I was going to say, because I saw on the website, it's like 7,300 dead mics or something like that. I was like, so were some people just like hammering and burn like a hundred mics? <laughs> I, I, I don't see how you can just keep going or they're just satisfied at a certain point in time and that they have, this is the mic I want. Or did you limit them? Like you only could burn five times or something like that. No. So there was no limit. Um, and, and that's something that with my, with the recent collection, I actually have it. So it costs 10 HGH to burn and there's a, a, a 10 limit on it. So you can only burn up to 10 times per, the initial one that you got um but for like that initial release yeah there was no limit and people it, it minted out in like 12 hours because of this and it was just people up all night just burning one at a time like for like the whole 12 hours it was actually pretty fun though like <laughs> i definitely did not sleep so you incorporated the game into the entire uh nft element and it's called the dance royale now, I, I was watching videos of it online about how it's demonstrated, but can you explain to people in the audience how the Dance Royale works with the mics? Yeah, so basically what I did was made like a, a Fortnite queue, um, but it's all in a smart contracts like on-chain. Um, and I've expanded that recently. I pinned it in this ETH Global tweet um, to be able to actually enter any type of NFT in there. It doesn't have to be Matic mics. Uh, I just have to load it into the contract. But the way it works is... It's a 50-man queue, and it costs whatever we set the ERC-20 to. So, so like, on our website, we have one for wrapped Ethereum, and we have one for um, HGH. So you can enter your mic or whatever NFT you're entering into the Dance Royale. Once that queue fills, if it's 50 people, it'll auto-trigger. Um, if it doesn't fill within an hour, it lowers down to 15, or however many people are in queue if it's more than 15. And then it just auto triggers the queue, um, basically like assigned. It's like a big dice roll competition um, based off of your Matic mic power levels. Um, and that's like associated with traits. Um, and then whoever wins that dice roll um, gets like the pot of whatever the entry fees were. So if it goes 70% to first, 20% to second, and 10% to third. Um, and as soon as one queue finishes, another one opens. So it's like, it's just like Fortnite, where it's like, as soon as you like enter a queue and it pops, like more of them are, are spawning and there's more games going on while you're in game. So how frequently does the, the new game get triggered? Um, like, is, is there a set time limit? Like you have six games per hour, like every 10 minutes, or is it just once one is over, if people are entered into the next queue, then that one triggers and starts? Is there like a, a time threshold in between? No, there's no time threshold, but uh, it's really just like about like getting people in the queue. Um, so like as soon as one fills, like if we had maybe like 100,000 or a million NFTs, they would probably be filling constantly, but it would still work the same way. As soon as it triggers, like, you'll be able to enter into the next queue. Um, and it's just constant. So you don't actually have to like monitor it. Um, if that's like what you mean. Well, does, does there have to be 50 participants in order for the game to start? No, a minimum would be 15. And that that's if it's past an hour time limit or whatever we set the threshold to, it'll lower down to 15. Um, and I can set that even lower. I just think 15 is like a good number because... It normally triggers like once per day, at least then. Okay. Now, is there any sort of uh, wagering element? Like, do, do the people have to, everyone tosses in like an ante of like one HGH in order to get into the game and they risk it against each other? And is that how the prize pool is created? Or is it uh, a static prize pool each time that uh, goes to the top three? Yeah, so it's, um, we have the one that's one HGH per entry. Um, and then we have one that's 0 0.001 wrapped Ethereum per entry. That's like the high stakes Royale. Okay. And then we also have a, a joint one with Polyfarm, another um, Polygon project, which is uh, egg entry. So it's 10 eggs per entry, and that's their ERC-20. All right. So how are, how are power levels determined? Is it by the mint that you get on your mic? Does each mic have a different set of attributes? 
and then throughout time, if you decide that you want to invest HGH into your specific NFT, his attributes go up, which would make him better in the Dance Royale against other competitors? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, the way it, it works is uh, like from that initial like night of, night of minting, all the all the traits have a power level associated with them. Um, but if you actually like wanted to increase your power level like um, permanently, there is the token injection process, and that's kind of where it comes into play with like the HGH name of the ERC twenty token. So I call it H. Um, I call it ERC twenty to ERC seven twenty one token injection as like a technical name, and it's really just injecting your Matic mic with uh, the HGH currency. And I think the the current cost is like thirty seven right now. So it would cost 37 HGH um, to inject your mic. And there's a 5% chance that you will actually upgrade a random trait on him. And if that trait gets upgraded, it changes his appearance and it increases his overall power level. Now, is that difficult to make um, kind of like on-the-go um, changes to a particular ERC721? Is there something that you can build into the code? Or is it similar to... Like when you have a cryptocurrency and you don't renounce the contract and you can do amendments in the contract as you go along. Yeah, so this is built in from the start uh, of the contract. Um, and like the, we don't have an actual like upgradable contract on here. So it, I guess it could be similar to that um, where if we were to like reset the price of the token injection, we could do that. But as far as the actual upgrade process goes, it's all built into the code and there's like no way of manipulating it um so because it's an on-chain project like it just is totally um dependent on like the chain link seed and whether or not you actually hit the upgrade chance so if, if it's like within the five percent range that it has to be then you'll attempt to upgrade and that'll also be like a random number and it's just like determines which trade it's going to try and upgrade and then it just goes through and makes sure that nobody has like the exact same mic that you're upgrading to. And if everybody does throughout the whole um, like array of trait, then it just will be another failure of an upgrade. But it, yeah, it is kind of difficult. Is, is there any specific trait that's the most rare that gives you uh, a higher power level than other traits? Yeah, so with the, um, I think with the, so I released the Evil Club Lords uh, recently, um, and that's like Mike's evil nemesis. Um, with that, I think it's his crown is the rarest trait. Uh, there's like a, a gold tier crown that he has, um, and I think that gives you like 100 power level. Um, for Mike's, there's a few of them that are, are the same. I think the leather mask as well as the, um, the uh, rainbow vest that he has. Those are like the highest power level traits. Um, and then there's also like a pink skin that he has, um, like the pink polygon skin. And that one's also uh, like a pretty high power level. It's so funny. Like <laughs> some of the traits, man, like like looking through them, I just laugh. Like I, I don't know where you came up with some of them, but it's, it's a really good laugh when you start looking through some of these. Um, so everything is sold out as far as the initial mint goes, right? So everything now, if you want to buy a mic, you have to give up the secondary. Yeah. So because it was a free mint, we had like um, a lot of like quick flippers. So it was like a very low floor. And we released back in like the end of October, beginning of November. So it was like right during the bear market of NFTs. Um, so we had like a, a, actually like a really low floor, like 0.003 or something. But if you like look at our sales, we have like, well over like a thousand sales now so we're just like slowly like building our our floor up which is good um and i'm releasing a lot of new content anyways just because because like i said i'm just doing it for hackathon entries and just to keep learning and developing my skills and solidity how difficult is it for somebody um especially with what went on with OpenSea yesterday how difficult would it be for somebody that has no experience whatsoever in creating a smart contract to be able to create something of their own in order to kind of fend for themselves without getting a developer involved or um, having some sort of 
feature uh, in order to make their own smart contract on Solidity? Um, it, I mean, so if it's like just like a basic smart contract where you're hosting your metadata and stuff off chain, um, I, it's really not that difficult of a task. It's more so just like making sure that you're you're following like a, a tutorial like exact and and not messing something up with like uh, re-entrancy attacks and or like especially with like on Polygon if you're like. Um, using like ERC twenties to uh, like like wrapped Ethereum or something like you have to make sure you're, you're preventing any reentrancy attacks and like it it can get a little confusing like I wouldn't recommend just like diving in and creating your own smart contract you definitely want to have somebody that knows what they're doing look at it at least um, but I do know that there's like and I I forgot the name of the company but I was listening to a Polygon Spaces a couple months ago or maybe like last month. And there's this company that's building like a drag and drop, no code solution to basic like smart contracts. And specifically, one of the examples was um, ERC721 contracts. So I think I'll have to try and find it. But I think that there there are solutions being made out there. Um, and there's also like, I, like I, I, yesterday I started going through and just trying to figure out, okay, how do I go through? these OpenSea contracts that uh, people have like just used OpenSea to mint their art and pull all that metadata quickly. Cause like, if you actually look at the smart contract, there's not like an easy route to pull like owners of the NFT or like the actual metadata. Um, so I was like thinking about maybe like creating like a scraper program so you can just pull all that metadata quickly and then just have like a basic smart contract so we can just provide them for people. Um, and that's that's something that I was like actually thinking would be probably a good business plan too. But uh, it really is it, like if to, to get back to your question, I wouldn't recommend just diving into creating your own smart contract. I would definitely like talk to somebody that's experienced in doing it. And if you're going to do it yourself, like, ask a lot of questions and have it reviewed before you put it on the on like on the smart chain because uh, or on the blockchain because like there is a lot of things that can be messed up yeah i yeah i understand that um i think a lot of people have a lot of fear as far as you know what the future is going to be if they're going to need a dev in their back pocket to help them with uh creation of smart contracts and so on and so forth so I just wanted to ask you from um, a technical standpoint, because I know you you kind of deal with stuff like that on a regular basis. So I was just curious how, how big the learning curve is for somebody that uh, really isn't too familiar with it. So getting back to your um, NFT game that you have here um, with the Dance Royale, can I, let's say I have five Matic mics in my wallet can i enter all five of them into the royale or is it only one entry per wallet no you can you can stack the royale and I, and a lot of people do and that's like a way to kind of game the system a bit so i mean it does give you a little bit better odds to win right yeah i was i was curious how that would work but you said that you have to pay an entry fee to get in there right so you could essentially if you don't win you're going to end up kind of screwing yourself in the long run too yeah, I think it's like just kind of the way that uh, it is like technically like a gambling game. So I, I feel like it's really just like the way it's supposed to be designed is just allowing people to stack the house if they wanted to. So what are you using? You're using a, a chain link uh, RNG to determine uh, the overall statistics and the roles that people are getting? Yeah, so actually I've, I've updated the contract a bit it always used Chainlink to do roles but um if you were like really savvy and like really knew how to um spy on a contract you can still pull like nothing on on chain is totally um like private so it initially was like determining roles as soon as you entered um and the Chainlink vrf would call back so it would store those roles in the contract and then when the final entry went through it would just do like who rolled higher um, in the final call. But I've actually updated that contract now uh, to be like completely 
hidden because it assigns seeds to every single user that enters as they enter. But then that last entry then triggers a new seed that modifies all the seeds at the end and then does all the rolls in the last call. So there's absolutely no way to actually cheat the system or spy on it. Yeah, we don't like cheaters, but that, that makes total sense. Um, I, even I kind of understood that one, and I don't really know too much uh, about how all of that works. Um, now, how many different contracts do you have interact, what we'll call it an ecosystem, interacting in your ecosystem that you have here? Is it? It's a separate contract for your native token. It's a separate NFT contract. It's a separate PVP and PVE contract. Is that how you have everything set up? Yeah, and some analytics contracts. I think right now we're up to like 30 contracts or so um, that interact with each other. Um, but it's like, because there's no API, there's no off-chain data in this um, project. It's just a lot of contracts interacting with each other. Um, we have like an analytics contract that pulls from every single Dance Royale contract that I, I enter or that I create. So if I create new ones in the future, it still pulls all your stats back to your Medic Mike metadata, as well as the website um, and your wallet address as well. So all this stuff uh, is done on chain and, and kind of acts as both a database and an API. So is there um, any type of possible security measures that you might have integrating all of those contracts into one ecosystem? Um, I mean, as far as like copycats or if somebody does like, a, you know, some sort of scam contract to be built in, is, is there any way that it could be compromised running all of those? Or is it not really an issue because you said there's no APIs and stuff like that? Yeah, there's no way you can like actually like, like infiltrate our actual smart contracts. Um, but like, yeah, if you wanted to do a copycat of it, if you had a really high level of understanding, like, I was able to pick it up because I, I've been a full stack dev for 12 years and have been like straight up just like diving into Solidity and like really learning everything and the ins and outs and just like the different exploits um, and, and just like security measures against that. But even if you did like grab all our contracts, you still have to make all the graphics, figure out how those graphics are pulled. Um, and and really still come up with a concept that works. So I don't. I'm not really too worried about it. Um, I know that there have been a, a few copycats of like using our battle royale queue, but that's kind of the whole point of it. I wanted I wanted to just do this as both a learning uh, experience and to teach people how to do things. So yeah, I know. I know. Recently, I've been seeing a very big uptick of people doing copycat projects of Polygon projects. I saw it, it was done to Emily Ann and it was done to Congo Kings, I know offhand. And I, I mean, Congo Kings project got copied before he even released it. So I was like, that that's some ballsy stuff right there. So I, I was curious if there's any type of security issues that you might have to be concerned with when you're just running that many, um, that many different types of uh, contracts at the same time. But, they would really have to know what the hell they're doing in order to do it, huh? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would say like a, a good example of, of of another fully on chain project. This was on Ethereum was Wolf Game, um, and there was a lot of copycats of that, and they had the issue with the Flashbots exploit, where you can basically predetermine whether you're going to mint a wolf, which is the very valuable NFT, or a sheep. And then there is also an exploit in there where you could, they have their own ERC-20 token wool, which you could pull out of the, um, like from staking, and it would have a tax on it. But if you actually unstaked your sheep, you could pull it out with no tax on it or a 50% chance that you lose all the wool. Um, and there's like this exploit where you can actually like revert the whole call if it didn't uh hit what you wanted and just keep doing that until it did hit what you wanted and so people copied these contracts but they weren't able to actually like fix the exploits so then they release a contract and they just fail because people just are exploiting their contract so it does take a high level of understanding and like a really 
especially when you're dealing with like minting and risk factors with metadata on chain. Um, it does take a lot of like auditing and making sure that you're doing everything properly. All right, so we're talking with Matic Mike and uh, about his NFT project and uh, gaming ecosystem that he has coming out. Uh, if anybody has any questions for Mike, feel free to raise your hand if you're in the box and uh, or if you're down bottom and you want to come up and talk, feel free to request and I'll bring you up to the box. So you're coming out with a PVE game. Um, is is there a release date for this, or you're not 100 percent sure when it's going to be already and up and up and going with the uh, with the evil the evil club lords? Yeah. So basically, the um, the story behind it is basically the evil club lords have stolen Matic Mike's mojo, um, and he's trying to get it back, uh, kind of like Austin Powers, if you've ever watched that. Um, and what you're going to be doing is going on different tiers of like quests with these evil club lords where your Matic Mike can enter, um, into a different tiered club, um, with your evil club lord and try and get his mojo back. And basically what that's going to do is give you a mojo booster. Um, and this is going to be like for like a tier one club, it'll be like plus one to plus four mojo boost. Um, and that's going to add to your overall power level and then be used later on in some crafting mechanisms I'm going to put in the game. Um, it's also going to pull an animated graphic onto your Matic Mike or Evil Club Lord um, that's going to be in the background of him. Uh, the next tier, like, so say you want to go to like a tier two club, that's going to require a plus four mojo booster. So it's basically going to limit the amount of clubs you can go to and you're just going to have to repeat the quests until you're able to actually get to that top tier club. Um, and the other like kind of like, I mean, I guess I would call it a risk factor, but it's like kind of a win-win is uh, the evil club lord or the Matic Mike can win that uh, mojo booster based off of like their power levels and a role that they do at the end of that, um, of that quest. And yeah, that's kind of going to be the intro to PVE. Um, but we're going to actually integrate a lot more, uh, probably within the, like the next two months. I'm waiting for the chain link spring hackathon to like do my huge idea, but, um, cause you have to code it all within the window. But, uh, I do want to, I do think that we'll have a good shot at that chain link spring hackathon prize because I have like some major ideas down the roadmap. That's awesome. Sleepy pirate. You have a question for Mike. Yep. Thank you for having me. Uh, I have tons of things to learn from Matic Mike because, you know, I'm going to develop a game too. Uh, I don't know if you guys just asked this question, but <laughs> I'm sorry about it because uh, I was on my own space. How many people uh, worked for developing this game and how long have you been creating this game? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so we have, um, so it, it, like on the OpenSea, it, it shows like 200 something folders, but that number doesn't include all the Matic mics that are staked in either the club or the, um, gym. Um, so I think we have like over 700 holders now, um, out of that 2,637 total supply. And I think we have some unique holders of evil club lords now as well. So it's probably more like 800 unique holders. Um, and that's been since like the, the beginning of November is when we released the initial release. And then I've just been releasing content every few, like maybe like once a month since then. And I guess to, uh, to answer your question too, like the initial coding of the projects took, I did it within the Chainlink Hackathon window. So like the first like contracts took me like a week of coding, but I whiteboarded the idea out and tested the idea for probably like a month before that. So I've I've basically been learning Solidity since the beginning of October. So you ended up winning the fall fall hackathon for Chainlink, right? For uh, what was the best Polygon um, concept idea? Was it? Yeah, so we, we won the best Polygon NFT um, DAP. And then recently I entered 
uh, two weekends ago um, into the ETH Global NFT hack. And that one I just won overall. Like it was 16 total winners out of like 300 projects or something. Oh, that's awesome. So how, how does somebody get involved in that? Do you have to be um, a developer of some sort in order to enter into these? Or do they have other types of uh, other types of events that NFT holders in general could just get into? Yeah, no, you can just, uh, I mean, like they, they normally all involve like coding because um, like that's that's kind of the, what hackathons are. But they, um, you can like enter with a team um, and normally like you just apply like so ETH Global has like 15 or 16 hackathons a year. So basically like at least one a month um, and you can just enter with with like a team or you can enter and try and find a team. Um, I just enter solo. Uh, but those, I, I actually, had, those are my only two hackathons I've ever entered. I, I just like figured since it's there um, and since it might be free money, like why not try and enter? Does it cost you anything to enter into them? No. So with ETH Global, I, they take like a 0 0.003 Ethereum deposit. Um, and that's just to make sure that you actually are going to like participate. Um, and, but if you, whether you win or lose, you get that deposit back. That's and with, pretty, with, and, and with, with, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Mike, go ahead. Uh, with, with Chainlink, it was just free. You didn't have to do anything. Now, is it a, is it like a physical convention that you meet at or is it done online, like through a, a Zoom or how, how does it run? Yeah, so I mean, there are in-person hackathons, but I think since COVID, they've really like slowed down. Um, so all these are remote. All right, so let's let's talk a little bit about the native token that you have incorporated into this project, the uh, HGH token that you have. This runs on the Polygon network. Now, um, was there a specific reason that you decided to run it on Polygon versus uh, I know I know your project is on Polygon as far as the minting and stuff goes, but would you be able to, like, let's say if you wanted to run the token on BSC, would you be able to do that, or there would be no uh, capability to do something like that as far as, like, bridging from BSC to Polygon? Well, right now, natively, it can bridge to um, Ethereum. So, like, I can you can send your mic to the Ethereum chain and sell him in Ethereum if you wanted to, like, on aftermarkets. Um, and the same with HGH, you can send it over to Ethereum, but there's really no point to because all the utilities on Polygon, and that's why I released it on there. Um, if we wanted to do something to like bridge it to BSC, uh, I'm actually like I just started like doing some side development for Umbria, um, and I would probably utilize like an Umbria or just like utilize like some of my um, co-workers i guess there to like help me build a bridge to actually bridge that token over to bsc which we just launched a chain launched a chain over or a bridge over there or um like avalanche or whatever we would really want to do but you can do that i mean you can do it with any project that's out there right now as long as it's like its own smart contract you just have to be able to build the bridge to actually do something like that so is the hgh just considered as in-game currency or is it purchasable through QuickSwap with, uh, with Matic? Yeah, so it's on like SushiSwap and QuickSwap. Um, there are like some liquidity pools that the community has formed. I try and stay out of it. Um, I don't really have any links on the website to buy it, um, but it's there. Uh, I, I guess like I was just talking to somebody recently that said like you can put links of like um, HGH pool on the website with like no real issue like of any like security stuff so i'll probably start doing that soon so like if you do want to get into the project and you want to head start and to get some hgh you can just click on the link um but i'm very like cautious about not adding to the liquidity pool not buying and selling and not promoting it too much yeah i think that would be a smart idea especially with what's going on with you know sec and yeah, you, you don't really want to be on that type of radar. So I, I don't really blame you as far as that goes. Now, in in order to get access to uh, the gym and the game itself, you have to have some HGH in your wallet, right? 
Well, for to access the gym, you just have to have either a Matic mic or an Evil Club Lord. And that's how you actually earn the HGH to begin with. Um, so if you put your mic in the club, you earn one HGH per day per mic you have in the club. Uh, if you put your Evil Club Lord in the club, or I'm sorry, in the gym, you have uh, you earn 0.25 HGH per day. And you can also get, so with the way the Evil Club Lords work is you can stake your mic into the club, um, which is different from the gym, for a cost of 10 or 25 HGH. And then it assigns you a, a random amount of time where your mic is going to be locked in the club. And you get issued this new NFT that has like your mic on it uh, with like some lights and it has like an hourly countdown on it. So it might say something like 300 hours remaining or whatever. Um, once that hour hours gets down to zero, your evil club lord is spawned. And then once that evil club lord spawned, you can withdraw your mic from the gym and stake him back or with from the club and stake him back in the gym, or you can stake him back in the club and summon one more evil club lord. Do you consider yourself a gym rat? <laughs> Myself, uh, probably from before this project, I have like a home gym, but uh, not anymore. <laughs> Do you? Uh, um, do, do you have a past career in adult male dancing, Mike? <laughs> no, I don't. But uh, my girlfriend has made me watch the Magic Mike movies. Ah, uh, man. So uh, how important do you think uh, education in the NFT and crypto space is and why are we lacking it so much? And what do you think we could do to bring more awareness to getting this whole world that we're all living in here, at least in some capacity, out to the masses? Yeah, I think that there's, I mean, there's just a severe lack of um understanding of how blockchain works uh, and that's like been the problem for the past like i mean since like bitcoin and like it just had like a bad rap so a lot of people just write it off um but like i even see like developers talking about oh like the blockchain is still centralized by nature and that's that's not true and that's not the case so, I mean, like, it's really just a lack of understanding. And I think the, the best way to do it is just to keep coming out with more unique, um, just like uh, games or apps or whatever that run specifically on the blockchain, but are open to the public. So I think we're, we, we're already in the, like moving in the right direction with getting these cool games that have like this whole different way of thinking about gaming. Um, involved with randomness and rarity and um, just like economics that actually can be converted to real life dollars. Like, I think that's like something that's like, so like it amplifies like just how cool and unique blockchain can be. Um, I also think that there's, there's a really good place for it in NFTs, like how it initially started with where it's mainly focused on the art and not the utility. And I think that there's room for both of these things. And uh, eventually it will, I mean, it's already becoming more mainstream. And I think, I mean, 10 years from now, this is going to be like a conversation that's like not even like being had because everybody's going to be using it. Yeah, I think it's going to move along a lot quicker than um, how the internet, when it, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit older than you, but like when you, when the internet, how quickly it evolved from the dial-up days, the DSL days, to where it is now. Um, I think it's going to move even quicker than that. I think we're going to be on kind of a fast pace as far as moving forward. And that's refreshing. And and it's. I, I wish he was still in here. There was a, a kid that was up here in the speaker box. He has a, a puppy project. And he's 14 years old or 15 years old. And I was talking to him in DMs before. And I really wanted to have him up here and ask him a few questions. Um, I guess he had to leave. But um, I'm starting to see more and more young teenager kids and even kids that are, you know, pre-teenagers. Um, a good friend of ours, Chronic Cats, his daughter 
is, I believe, seven or eight years old, and she's already starting her own NFT project. So it's nice that we're seeing people that are much younger than myself and yourself getting into this. And hopefully it starts getting integrated into our everyday school education because it's going to be the future. There's going to be PhDs of people in blockchain technology, and it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen really soon, too. Yeah, I mean, I was even, like, looking at the course list recently of, like, the school I went to um, for college. And, like, they have, like, an entire, like, blockchain section now. So, and it's taught by, like, the professor that was one of my favorites back in the day. So, I mean, it's definitely moving there. And uh, I just wish that I was, like, I mean, it, it, it really feels reminiscent of when I was in middle school programming, like, like simple websites for and just like grabbing like flash games and throwing them on the website that everybody in the school would play like that's that's kind of like what blockchain feels like now it was how the internet was back then during like like you said like the 56k like dial-up times and it's gonna move fast and it's it's basically like your chance and i'm not a financial advisor but if you could have invested in the internet before the internet existed i mean that's what it feels like to me yeah, I think so too. Now, your your game is pretty uh don't take offense to this, but it's it's a pretty rudimentary as far as uh how the game is laid out and um not really super advanced with, you know, graphics or anything like that. How how long in the future do you think it's going to take before games on the blockchain look like a PS5 game or uh one of these new Xbox games or like a highly detailed uh, Call of Duty or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think you could do that now um, just by by making it like a hybrid system um, where you're, and, and like Chainlink also helps with this too, um, or you can just like create your own oracles, but you can, you can have a completely hybrid system where you're doing a lot of off-chain gaming, but then like you'll have like a, a final feature where you're like, in, where you're communicating with the blockchain to, um, write new data to it that's stored. Um, but as far as like using NFTs in actual games and creating like 3D graphics and like a very high intense like or like like even like a World of Warcraft or something like that, that's capable now. And I think it's actually like something that can really benefit games currently by having like all these off chain or on chain resources with metadata being pulled into a centralized off-chain system and combined. And I think that's kind of what the metaverse is, and that's why um, blockchain is going to have a huge uh, impact on what the metaverse actually is as it's being built. And, I mean, if, if you have, like, an MMORPG and, you know, you want to do weapon sales or something like that, I could speak from personal experience. I used to play a game called Lineage 2, and a lot of the graphics for each particular thing, it might be like a bag of varnish. It might look the same as uh, something that's an advanced element in the game that you might need, but the graphic for the bag would look the same when you look at it. If you have it on the blockchain, um, people wouldn't be able to scam you like in-game for in-game currency. It would it would just, this is the particular item, and that's what you're getting. So. Um, as dumb as it sounds, you know, people can't scam you for weapons in game or what, whatever the case might be if you have it on the blockchain because everything's assigned a specific um, a specific value on the blockchain. So I don't know. I'm getting all nostalgic with this uh, stupid lineage game that I used to play. Let me get back to Matic Mike. <laughs> so um, do you have anything planned in the future as far as the Matic Mike character goes? Um, or is he kind of kind of going to go? Um, off into the sunset after you're done with the evil club lords um are you going to make maybe a generation two and and continue different types of gaming and stuff with him or is this pretty much going to be his last hurrah no i think so matic mike's always going to be um a staple of the entire um game or ecosystem in general um so he's going to continue to evolve um whether it be actual metadata on him or just metadata from other contracts that he has an impact on um so i don't think that he's going anywhere um because i do have years worth of roadmap to develop um and i i don't really plan on stopping so 
I would say no. Uh, he's going to always be here. He might train up some apprentice, apprentices that uh, that do some other functionality in the system, but he'll always have like a major role and he is the genesis of the collection and will always be the most valuable. So what's your biggest uh, success story that you've had with this project thus far? So I think like most of it is the, the hackathon wins. Um, I also just like, think the just like the community that I've been introduced to as well as just connections I've made with other projects uh, has been like impacted greatly with it. Um, I've also like used the knowledge that I've learned to invest in some more like uh, Ethereum projects just they're more valuable. That's just how they are right now because of the volume on Ethereum. So I've like used the knowledge to review contracts and and buy into other projects as well, um, which uh, has helped me uh, be more successful in my NFT purchasing. So I think like all those things are, I'm pretty proud of as far as accomplishments. Um, but I just really think like, just like how educated I've become on on this whole, on, on what I can build and how how much you can build on the blockchain and is just like really the biggest accomplishment. If you could change one mistake that you made while launching this project, what would have it been? Uh, I probably wouldn't have done a free mint. Uh, and that's just because it did like severely impact the way the project took off. Um, and it's not because I would want would have wanted to make money off of it. It's just, I wanted to get the right users in the right active user base in. So we've been dealing with like this past since launch, just basically getting all the people that exploited the mint by just like minting with a bunch of wallets out and like active users in. And we finally like crossed that that threshold of now our active users are the ones that have accumulated when they were low and the new floors are being set by some of our like longtime holders that just are getting are just making taking some profit off of some of the ones that they bought when they were very low on OpenSea. So I think that's probably the the big thing. So we're talking with Matic Mike. Um, if anybody has any questions for Mike and uh, is up in the speaker box, raise your hand if you're down bottom and you want to come up, request to speak. We'll get you up here. Uh, we're going to wrap up kind of soon. Uh, we'll go over to Dave. Go ahead, Dave. I just want to know if you're going to put your evil club lords in a dancer. That's it. Yeah, so the, the Evil Club Lords and Matic Mikes, they all can enter the dance royale already. Um, and that was that's kind of the one thing that I, I won the hackathon for the a couple weekends ago, is being able to grab, because they're two different contracts. So I can grab from the Matic Mike contract, I can grab from the Evil Club Lords contract, and I can grab from, like, like we were grabbing from Polyfarm and any, like, other Polygon project that might be interested in getting involved in something like that, we can pull all those NFTs into the to the battle royale, and all of them can enter. So they're in there, and they're dancing, and some of them win. Yeah, go ahead. Just off, off the just off the back of that, is there a difference in entry fee or prize or anything for anything different, or is it all equal roles, equal entries, equal everything else? Yeah. So the entry fee is the same for everybody. Um, if you if we do add like a contract that doesn't have um like obviously like contracts that aren't part of the matic mic project won't have a power level associated with them we actually assign a random power level to them so it's like between like the low end and high end of mics like you can basically enter and get assigned a random power level between like 400 to like 453 or something um so it, it basically gives everybody an equal chance to win I think if you have a Mike or Evil Club Lord, there's if it's a high power level one, you have a slightly higher chance to win. But the way to think about it really is just if you have a 450 power level, it's like rolling a 450 sided dice. So you might be rolling up against somebody that has a 500 sided dice, but they can also roll lower than you. So it doesn't really make too much of a difference. It's just a slight percentage higher. Creative L's, you're up. 
Hey, man, real impressive of what you got going on. My, my questions are on the, the contract side. Um, you know, you said you got into this like about it like, two years ago. What what was been the hardest part within writing the contracts? Was it understanding like the new syntax or understanding like the new logic of how to connect uh, IDs and variables together? I think the hardest part of writing smart contracts is the foresight of if there's any securities um, issue, like once you actually launch this. So like with like re-entrancy things, you can, uh, with, with re attacks, you can like basically drain contracts of all their currency that's stored in the contracts. And then you're left with nothing and somebody walks away with all their, all your money. Or like with like on-chain metadata, it's like a lot, if you're assigning traits on mint, you can maybe write like a, Flashbots like package with your own smart contract to basically check the contract for your newly minted um, NFT, and if it doesn't hit the exact traits you want, revert the whole call. Um, and that's like a very like basic like explanation of how it works. But that's like the hardest part of writing smart contracts. I would say the other part is just like knowing your limitations. Like there's a lot of syntax differences um, and there's a lot of like things that you just can't really, that like that just aren't very easy to do. Like using decimals or like going negative, using negative numbers um, and just like understanding how mappings work and, and just things like that. And also communicating with other contracts as well. So, I, I mean, I think there's a lot to learn but once, if you have any code knowledge and you do start learning it, just take your time and learn it. Don't like try and rush out a contract um, just to just to make sure you get your thing out. Like this, we're at the beginning of NFTs, so there's no like rush in getting stuff out unless you're like really just trying to like pump like a, a idea just to make money, not to actually build something the right way. Man, I love that. Uh Great, great answer. And then my last thing is, um, you know, the very beginning we talked about creating like an automated scraper, right? Um, what what would be your application for that if you were to create it? Is this kind of like a shell script that you run and it like automatically like creates like a Selenium IDE like crawler where it's doing automation processes and then just spitting it into like a database. And then from there, you're just kind of requiring it. Um, no, so like the way I was thinking of building it, so I've written scrapers for, this is how I originally got into looking at NFTs and I, I never really capitalized on it, but I had written scrapers where I would just plug in like a, like the, um, token URI endpoint of like a project that was minting and basically just pull all the, if they didn't have it like masked, I could pull all the metadata for every single token that's being minted. So I can kind of look ahead and figure out when to mint to try and get a rare. Um, and like, I mean, that's, that's just, I guess, like the advantage of being a developer. Um, and, but I never really took advantage of it. I was just like, this is, this needs to be changed. So if I was to write a scraper for like OpenSea, because Polygon doesn't have an API, this is mainly for Polygon projects. I would probably do like a plug and play where I would just plug in the collection URL and then just go through every individual NFT and then pull the metadata from what API um, OpenSea does have. So they have like a simple like API where you can grab the metadata from the actual token ID. Um, so I can like pull all that from, from different. Uh, Would you be doing that through like the XML? side of it so i would probably just write like a python script that runs through it and does it um okay, but I, wouldn't got actually, it. I wouldn't look i wouldn't use like a browser automation like selenium or anything there, there wouldn't okay. really be a need for that okay got it got it yeah that's the other side i was looking at is, is hit it through the front interface and just pick up the traits through the browser side using like a selenium ide that allows that automation process but that's just that's done with like js yeah, and I don't think it's really necessary for for what you're trying to do. You're just trying to pull all the all the JSON files and the images. Yeah, um, 
yeah, well, that's that's the only way that I know right now through a front interface using uh, JavaScript using Selenium IDE. Because the thing about it is that like the automation process, like and, and making sure that it once it keeps running, if it stops, it will spit out, right? Yeah, um, yeah, I, I I kind of understand what you're saying. I just don't I don't see the need for it um, as like a is using that i can i i understand like why you're using it but i don't think it's necessary for what you need it to do and if you really like if there's like a limitation on like like a rate limit or something you could always put like a sleep function in and just rerun when um when that rate limit was lifted yeah, yeah i think I, I was just saying like that's the only way that i know how to do it what would from my experience using js uh using python would be would would be a whole different challenge for for non super back end developers. I'm more of like a, a light PHP HTML uh, JS side of things. So uh, I didn't understand any of that stuff, but let's <laughs> let's just continue here. Uh, Ron Paul, did you have a, a question or a comment from Attic Mike? Um, yeah, I just had a something for the group from a collector standpoint. If there's any collectors in the room. Um, if you need help coaching on how to the best way to play the Matic Mike game, you could always DM me. Um, in my opinion, the best way to do it is to get ten mics in the gym, so you're getting passive income every day. With uh, you'll be getting ten HGH per day, and then within your MetaMask wallet, you can swap that HGH easily, instantly for a free Matic or free Wrapped Ether. So, I use Matic mics um, as a collector to get passive income. So currently the max mics you could have in the gym at once is 10. So what I did is I created a couple extra wallets in my MetaMask. So I'm kind of cheating the system. I got 30 mics in the gym across three wallets. So every day I'm getting 30 HGH for free. And then I just transfer that back in my MetaMask and swap it for free wrapped ether, free uh, Matic. And the other way, the other thing I do is um, my onesies and twosies, uh, mics, I'll put them in the club to read a free evil club lord NFT. So it's just a great way to earn passive income. And also, since I got in, the floor has risen from it was about 0.004, and right now it's 0.014. So the floor keeps going up as well. So just uh, if there's any collectors out there and you want coached in the best way to get the passive income, my DMs are always open here and in uh, Discord. That's all I got. Thanks, Ron. Um, somebody else just request. Uh, uh, Sleepy, do you have anything, or do you just want to come up and say hi and uh, take us out with a nice guitar? Yep. Uh, I don't have anything to say, and I just got robbed. <laughs> I just came back. Um, I got I got one or two more questions for you, Mike, before we wrap up. Um, do you feel that? I mean, you have everything kind of tied into a nice little package with a bow on it as far as how everything is kind of integrated. You really do have like an ecosystem built here. Do you feel that projects now are taking unnecessary pressure to put more utility into a project to the point where it just gets clunky? Uh, yeah, I think that there's projects that shouldn't be getting into utility at all because like they're an art project and that's what they should be or they're a profile picture project, and that's what they should be. Um, I think that there is this added pressure now that you have to do this utility or you have to provide passive income or whatever in order to succeed instead of what the initial um, concept of NFTs actually was um, when, when they first became popular, which is just an art piece. Um, I think that there's a place for both of them, and I, I touched on that earlier. I just... I don't think that any anybody should be trying to add additional utility if that's not what they wanted to do in the first place. They should do what they want to do and and build the project how they want to build it. I agree a hundred percent. You know, I, I was I was saying this earlier today too that you don't need utility if you want to put utility in and it it offers not just value to your customer but it offers value to yourself where you feel like it's something that's necessary in the project put it in but i've i've talked to a few people 
um, in spaces recently, and it seems like they every single type of utility that you could possibly dump into a project is there. And when they're trying to do like their little pitch to let people know about their project, you're just like, you feel like you're getting bombarded. Like there's just too much. And I, I just want to stress to people, you don't need all that stuff to have a successful project. It starts with community and then from community, it just builds from there. Um, I got one other, oh, Aiden's down there. Let me bring Aiden up. Um, and, uh, the, the last question that I have for you is where, where, oh, I actually have two more questions. Are you still doing Twitter spaces? I know you're doing spaces for a while. Uh, yeah, so that's, um, that's normally run by Kaz, uh, one of my mods. Um, I know he slowed down a little bit on the spaces and that's just because he was having issues like finding new polygon projects to bring on, um, that wanted to. Um, but basically the, what we do is kind of how you, you run yours is Monday through Thursday, we would have a, um, Twitter space between like either seven and eight or nine. Um, and we would just kind of spotlight one project, um, and bring attention to them. And we still do when we get a good project that wants to be on. Um, but I know that it really depends on who wants to come on. So if you, if you do have a project, um, reach or come into our discord, uh, and I'll have Kaz like talk to you or just like tag Kaz. He's under the lead bods and he'll start setting something up with you. I'm not always on there because I'm so busy. Uh, I'm, I'm like so busy just like trying to get all this code written. Um, but uh, yeah, I do have mods that do it. Okay. Awesome. What, what's up, Dave? I, I just want to say my, we can, Josh, we can pull that through. For you you know like if you, if you want to do it we've got the platform to get people on there we just need to know that that's where you're at and, and what Kaz, Kaz wants to do as well um so get him to reach out to me um and we can start putting people through from the the spaces where we get 200 projects come through a week yeah definitely i know the beluga space is like a really good asset um that's something that we're actually going to start utilizing more in Umbria as well because we're trying to with Umbria if you do have a polygon project we're trying to bring on as many um as many uh projects as possible to be partners with them um normally um, what we're doing now is asking Mike we've got them in with Polygon Alliance so come over there with us and help us push that together um they, they've come they've come into Polygon Alliance for exactly that reason I had a chat with them yesterday um or today I don't know what the day is I've been on a lot of phone calls but yeah, like let's 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 collaborate on all of that sort of stuff um, and, and get pushing that together and bring you properly into Polygon Alliance. Yeah, I'm in there for some reason. I'm not under a uh, project owner though. <laughs> you gotta just bump me up. On it, on it now. So my, my last my last question for you, Mike, before we wrap up, is where where do you see pro this project a year from today? Yeah, so I, I haven't really touched on it too much, but um, in the next like few months, I'm going to like start releasing the Matic Microverse. Um, and that's going to be, I mean, I guess this is more of like a second quarter um, scope rather than like the full year. But the Matic Microverse is going to be a way where you're going to be able to like turn your piece, turn your wallet into like your own club. And it's going to have a custom URI and like kind of like a social network but all on the Matic Mike website, all on chain. Um, and that's going to have things like your entire stats, like for all the battle royales that you've entered with mics that you own, or maybe mics that you sold as well. All that's going to be stored onto your wallet address. So you'll be able to pull it up. The other thing you're going to be able to do is kind of design your entire page based off of um, ERC 721s or ERC um, 1155s, the multi-token. Um, that you'll be able to purchase using a new currency I'm going to integrate into the Matic mic system. Uh, I haven't decided on the name, but it may just be Mojo um, that you'll earn by doing these long journeys with your clubs or with, or with your mics and your evil club lords. Um, and that's all going to like kind of design the page. It's going to give your wallets, your entire wallet uh, power level boosts. Um, there's going to be consumables for your mics. And then within like the next year as well as in the next um 
like in that next like like few month period, we're gonna start introducing more active PvP and PVE. Where you're gonna actually be like in like a turn based like Pokemon style game, where you're signing transactions for every move you make. So if you're like fighting another player, um, you may be doing a healing transaction or a um, attack transaction, and it's all gonna be utilizing like chain link um, to actually like fight other other mics or other club lords or maybe team up and go against like raid bosses and stuff like that so we're, we're going to try and integrate a lot of different uh gaming features into it as well as like almost like a social network experience into it as well wow you really have a lot going on and you're super talented and uh i i just gotta say man like what what a freaking project that you have i mean it's it's just unbelievable all the elements that you have tied in and uh, really super impressed. And uh, also, congrats on the hackathon wins. Um, you know, we, we need a lot more people like you in, in the community that could be helpful with people uh, as far as like the coding and everything goes that could kind of give people a little bit of a push and um, educate people a little bit better because that's really what this is all about. You know, the, the more educated people get in this space, the better the space is going to be. Um, I just want to thank you for giving us a little bit over an hour of your time today. It was really great to talk to you. Um, check out Mike's website, maticmike.club. Go pick yourself up some evil club lords. Uh, get into some dance royales, win some passive income. Um, Mike, I just want to thank you again. Uh, it was really great to have you on with us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Dave, for being on um, Creative Owls. Thanks, Ron. Ron's like my... Uh my whale and he says some of the things that I don't for legality reasons. Um, just like everybody in here from the medic Mike family and everybody that's not in there that I, I'm just appreciate you actually taking the time to listen to me and learning a little bit about uh, pixelated male strippers. Well, if we weren't talking about pixelated male strippers, what would we be talking about right now? I don't know, man. So everybody, thank you for stopping by.